From the Summer Skate Studios, this is Analytics and Eyeballs, brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf or go to topgolf.com. Summer Skates, shower shoes and koozies customized for yourself or the entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos from coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars has a destination that suits your style. Jets Pizza, with six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust, to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota, earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile. Go to Metro by T-Mobile to find your perfect plan, all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive. Our boost and burn is specially designed to help you get active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Liberty University. Strengthen your faith and your game at liberty.edu. Drury Inns and Suites. Find out why we say our home is your home. Visit us at DruryHotels.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, concert at Allegiant Stadium, or 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios as a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans. It's Monday night. I apologize right off the get-go for a no-show last night, but uh, there was something a little bigger in the hockey world, why, at least why here we, in, why in Colorado. I mean, <laughs> it, it was the Stanley Cup final. I mean, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, we don't exactly. miss a whole lot of shows. I mean, We don't. We don't, but we felt like uh, it was time to uh, talk a little NHL hockey with the Stanley Cup final, which was determined last night. Congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche as they got it done a uh, four to two uh, series win and a two one game last night which was a hard fought battle we'll get into that later uh, Scott Strandy with you tonight from Greenwood Village Colorado just outside of Denver where it's clouding up and looking like it could rain at any time my co-host as always Paul Hornstein from about 10 feet below sea level I think in the basement of that palatial estate on Long Island New York uh, Paul how are you uh, we definitely have different ideas on what palatial estates are. <laughs> well, see, I haven't been to yours yet, so all I can say is that from what I've been told, and we have players that travel around and see your place, right. that, um, you know, it's it's high-walled and guarded, and, uh, you know, I mean, you'd expect that out on Long Island. Uh, yeah. <laughs> High wall. Does that? I mean, I I guess that includes the 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 PVC fence I have and the dogs. I mean, if you want to count that as guarded. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not even gonna mess around tonight, Paul. I, I'm not even gonna mess around. I've already done that. But we've got a great guest on, um, and we're gonna bring her on a little early if she's ready to go because we've got the new commissioner from the NCHC. Heather Weems is with us. Commissioner, you got Scott and Paul with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. And how are you? I'm doing well. I'm actually uh, in the midst of driving one of my sons to a high school hockey practice tonight. So uh, there's hockey, all hockey, all the time. It feels like. Wait, 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 oh. wait, wait. Uh, the high, 
isn't the hockey this hockey season ended last night? Or are we talking about next season already? <laughs> Does it ever end? Yes. Yeah, so um, obviously the the big guys uh, ended last night, but the summer stuff is still going. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just asking because. I, I don't know. I'm, there's no ice in my basement because <laughs> this is basically a sauna tonight. So, Well, I'm going to tell you, I bet you're in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Am I right? Okay, I think you're breaking up just a little bit on us, but I believe you said you're in Minnesota, so we would expect that because you still have duties, right, with St. Cloud State, or is that officially over now? Um, my work with St. Cloud State is officially over. I ended on June 7th and transitioned officially. Today was my first day. Congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. How excited are you to be the commissioner of the NCHC? Obviously, having been part of St. Cloud State and been with the, the league since it started in 2013, it's a great opportunity and, and you know, really proud of the work that we've done and the success that we've had and, and just looking to continue on the good work. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, you know, uh, we've had a, a pretty good relationship with the NCHC for the past three years or so and uh, looking forward to continuing it. I know uh, Josh laid uh, some pretty good uh, groundwork for you, but is there one thing when you look at it uh, now being your first day on the job that you can say, hey, you know what? I'm looking forward to improving this. I don't know if it's as much about improvement. It's about being able to navigate uh, what I think is to come. And so you know, the NCAA Transformation Committee and some of the conversations that uh, they are having around Division I uh, is really going to be important. So that that part of it will continue to be, you know, in conversation. Uh, membership is always something that we want to anticipate and be watching for. Um, and so I just think that there's opportunities that, that uh, we have a good thing going, but, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. You always have to be ready for the next thing. Commissioner, as you know, since you've been uh, knee-deep in it and higher uh, for a long time now, college hockey occupies a, a particular niche um, where not every school that plays Division One hockey uh, is a full Division One institution. Um, yes. How much of that is is getting navigated as they go through the transition transformation committee um how much do they have to get a hold of people in a situation like that where they're saying like okay is is this going to affect what you guys do is this going to affect what you guys do or has it been i don't want to say smooth because i don't think any of this has been smooth <laughs> but yes. um uh, not being blindsided with anything I think that's absolutely um, what we have to keep our finger on the pulse. And and right now, to be honest, I think the Transformation Committee is much more focused on probably basketball and football right. um, at the Division One level, and particularly the FBS versus kind of the FCS mid-major um, differences and what that's going to look like long-term. Um, but obviously, there's trickle-down. Every time decisions are made, there's trickle-down. 
And as you mentioned, there is incredible importance um, in, in being able to maintain the three-divisional structure because hockey needs it. We are one of those few, if only, sports where, you know, the, the Big Ten um, and, and the Power Five, so to speak, uh, who play hockey rely upon the schools that are Division Two and Division Three. And not only that, the beauty of it, uh, much like the Cinderella stories that you've seen um, in the Final Four or, you know, in March Madness, uh, part of the allure, I think, of, of the frozen face-off is the parody that we've seen across across college hockey. Um, and the fact that you can have a Division Two or a Division um, Three school who competes very soundly against some of, of, of the bigger schools um, and, and without even some of the resources that they have. So I think that's the fun part of it is we've done an incredible job over the past 15 or 20 years of really creating parity and, and providing opportunities for all levels of hockey to play. Well, we are big fans uh, uh, of of the fact that uh, this is a sport that we love and the quote-unquote smaller schools can compete with the bigger schools. Uh, as yeah. Scott, as somebody who uh, is very familiar with the territory in terms of, uh, of the conference schools having uh, uh, been a bulldog and, uh, okay. and uh, myself having gone to a uh, – uh, a power five school, uh, which didn't have hockey at the time does now. So that probably tells okay. you who it is. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it was not on the East coast. Um, so that probably also gives that a- even tells me more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad <down> to <laughs> Right. Um, so we love that fact and, and we hope that never ever changes. And we want to see, um, as many smaller schools, uh, go division one with the sport as we do want to see the bigger schools. Uh, so just so you know where we stand uh, in terms of uh, what we, what we like about the game more than anything else. Um, and it's good to know that, um, that, that it's, it's in good hands and people are, are obviously keeping an eye on that. No, absolutely. And again, you know, I think it, it adds to the richness of, of the sport. As you said, it's, it's, Often hockey is seen as a niche. Um, obviously, that's growing. The markets in which hockey are played have, have changed dramatically. I mean, if you look at the growth of hockey uh, on the West Coast in Texas and in Florida, um, obviously, me being in Minnesota, I know, you know, we've been a hotbed and, and a heart of hockey um, for many decades. But at the same time, as the sport and the interest grows, to be able to have um, and continue to grow the game at the college level is critically important. All right, so I'm, I'm going to touch base with you, Heather, on this one. Um, I grew up in northern Minnesota, not far from Bemidji, played on the last high school team that played outdoor games, so I'm very familiar with that. Um, then spent uh, about 30 years in Arizona and decided to start this company because Arizona State got a uh, Division One hockey team, as you're well aware of. And I yeah. thought, you know what, they needed some coverage, and now we've expanded. This year we will have seven teams under our wings, uh, everything from the two – uh, Arizona or Arizona and the two Alaska schools to, of course, Colorado College, Air Force and uh, um, Denver. Denver. 
And then we have Lindenwood out east. So we've got a mix. And Paul and I are thrilled uh, to see what the NCHC has done. Um, we've called it the best conference in college hockey for a long time. But I, I want to know what got your interest in hockey because it's such a great sport. But what got you first interested in this great game? You know, I didn't grow up with hockey. I grew up in central Iowa um, and probably saw in high school one or two Bucks games. Um, at the old arena there in, in Urbandale. Um, and that was my first introduction, but really as hardly even a casual fan. Uh, I then went to the University of Iowa for, for undergrad um, and, and then ended at the University of Denver for my graduate work. Uh, and in the second year of my graduate degree at the University of Denver, uh, I, I pra- did a practicum or an internship um, at, within the athletics department. Uh, and then transitioned after that into a career in athletics. Um, and my my first office was in the same pod just down the hallway from from Coach Gwazdecki. Uh And I would I would count George as one of my greatest mentors and and kind of the person he along with probably Ron Graham. So you're getting into some of those good solid names in in Western hockey for sure and in college hockey. Um, but those were probably two of my uh, initial mentors. And, and, you know, I got to know the staff. Seth Appert was there. Steve Miller, Killer Miller was there. Uh, when I was there, Derek Lalonde, who was on the, the bench last night with Tampa Bay, was there as an assistant coach during my time. Uh, and I just developed such a, a good rapport with them. Um, and, and I would just say that the class, by the, the first class atmosphere um, that, that George espoused as head coach, but, but really that all of hockey demonstrates demonstrates caught my eye it is just a, a little bit different um than some of the other sports and and um their commitment and uh you know just to, to integrity and to um you know that that camaraderie amongst uh teams and and looking out for the sport was really attractive to me and so i spent 10 years at the university of denver i uh, worked actually i did a lot of um Mostly I did advising uh, compliance work with the student athletes there. So I have a long list of, of what I would call my kids um, of hockey players, but also lacrosse, basketball, gymnastics, everybody. Um, but the kids that I really got to know well, um, and, and again, they were just a great group of, of student athletes. And so worked with them very closely. And that really was my start in hockey. Wow, that's incredible. You mentioned um, hockey players and, and the, the kind of people that they are. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I don't know if you've heard it or not yet, but when uh, the Avalanche landed back uh, at Denver International today, um, they took time out, took the Stanley Cup out on the tarmac and allowed all of the, uh, the baggage handlers and the people that work at the airport, at least in the uh, charter terminal, to come out and take pictures with that Stanley Cup, which... I thought was just incredible. I mean, they certainly didn't have to do that, but that's what hockey players do, right, at all levels? I really see that, um, and that's one of those pieces that I just hope that we don't lose. You know, that camaraderie, that willingness to be, I'll call it one of the common common people, um, to interact with them. And, and I will say at the college level, that's one of the reasons I've chosen, you know, to, to be part of college sports, certainly, is that, as I say, our student athletes and our coaches are touchable. You know, they, they arrive at the, the arenas. They often walk across campus from their, from their apartments and, and their, their residence hall rooms or their dorm rooms. 
And as they're coming, you know, they interact with the fans and they interact with the young people and they do autograph sessions. And, and to me, that's what the college game is all about. Uh, it's about unifying communities and really getting them to, to be part of and see themselves and, and see what they can become. Um, and so that's really cool. So to hear that story, you know, about the abs players and, and, and just the management and, and them understanding how important it is for, for all of us to identify and unify behind um, sports to me is really powerful. I have to get one more in before Paul jumps in, but um, as long as you mention the student athletes at Denver, for sure, uh, I was there uh, for the celebration this year for the uh, national championship. And one of the things that I was most impressed with was after uh, the, the ceremony was over with, uh, the team was all stationed end to end at tables. And um, I did a podcast for an hour. They started signing autographs before I started the podcast. I came out of the press box area, uh, maybe 90 minutes later, they were still signing autographs. They signed autographs for every single person that was in line, no matter how long it took. So kudos to uh, to DU and, and your background there, but uh, that's just the way they are. And it, it's just so, it, it's so much fun. I can't even begin to tell you how much I appreciate that. No, and I think that's absolutely the case is that, you know, for, for our young people, for our kids, for the, even the, the alumni and, and just the, the fans, um, you know, who follow the teams, uh, to be able to have those conversations, um, to walk up and be able, and for those, the, the kids in the programs to stay out, uh, again, just talks about what, what it means to them and how much they understand the importance of our fans, uh, you know, to the success of our programs. Uh, Commissioner, as you were working as the uh, athletics director at St. Cloud and you had a really busy last uh, couple of years, uh, at least based on the research that I did, um, how, how long after uh, Josh Fenton decided to leave did you, did it, I mean, did you say to yourself, hmm, maybe I am interested in this? <laughs> Um, you know, let me start back a, uh, a few more years ago. You know, when I came to St. Cloud State, State um, I really thought it would probably be a three to five year uh, tenure here in St. Cloud. I, I hadn't known a ton about the community and I, you know, I thought, you know, let's go and see. And um, I'll just include, you know, I've got I've got four sons um, and all of them are hockey players. My my senior just graduated here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I have another incoming senior at, at Tech High School, and then uh, a ninth grader and a and a seventh grader. Oh, um, so we're busy, but yeah. so, so one of the things that I will say though, so one, you know, I came into Central um, Minnesota not knowing much about it, and I will joke that when I was in Denver, um, and you all probably know this, you know, Den Denver is a destination living spot. Lots of people who who come to Denver never leave. Um, but one of the funny things or one of the things that I observed while I was there was that uh, a lot of Minnesotans, when, when we recruited Minnesotans, came, came back to Minnesota when they were done. Um, and, and what I recognized is that lake life um, and kind of the family unit is really important in central Minnesota. So that kind of attracted me. Um, but then, to be honest, my, my kids started playing hockey 
And the community-based and school-based hockey that's played in Minnesota is probably different than any place else in the country. And what that means is that, um, you know, A, the affordability and access is much different here. Um, you know, I know that there are places where, where young people uh, and parents, so let's, let's really say parents, you know, are spending anywhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000 um, per, ki- per kid for them to play in those upper levels of bantams and midgets. Um, and in Minnesota, to be honest, uh, not including equipment, there are years where it take it costs less than a thousand dollars per child for me for what for my kids to play, which makes it a completely different environment and much more accessible to lots of people. Um, so that became really attractive. So um, I knew that I was probably a little bit more stationary. Uh, Josh and I had talked over time. Um, over multiple years um, about, you know, his position, obviously, I didn't actually know if he would ever leave. Do you know, we, we, um, he is, he was such a, just a, a committed person to, to the NCHC and had been part of its initial dream when he was at Miami of Ohio. Um, but when the position came open, certainly just from a professional opportunity and, and to look at something a little bit different, Pretty quickly, you know, I thought, okay, I should at least start looking into it a little bit more. Is this an opportunity for me to uh, focus a little bit differently, get some new experiences, um, and, and be part, continue to be part of the hockey community, but maybe in a different role? And so, uh, it, it was it was relatively quickly that that I began kind of exploring with Josh, um, you know, conversations about the position and and what it might look like. Okay, so so I think I know the answer to this one already. I told Paul before you came on, I said, you know, uh, when the NCHC said they're hiring a new commissioner, it didn't matter to me, uh, Heather, male or female. And I know what's happened over the last uh, few days in our country. And uh, to me, it's tragic. Um, I just don't understand why we can't proceed. I don't want to get into too much of politics. But yeah. man, oh man, you are such a fresh face to uh, to this organization uh, and also to the NCHC, I'm sure, where they've seen you before at St. Cloud State. But um, tell us what you want to do. What what do you want? What kind of mark do you want to leave as the commissioner of the NCHC after about 40 years? <laughs> <laughs> well, some days I can't see past tomorrow. But um, you know what? Um, one of the as I mentioned earlier, I really got started, you know, from the student perspective. And so I think a hallmark of anything that I do is certainly about the student athlete experience. And and obviously in the in the politics of the NCAA, in the politics of uh, the NIL and the transfer portal and everything else, um, we are a destination and have defined ourselves as a destination, you know, Division One conference. And, and that is um, because of the quality of play and the quality of programs that we hold. Uh, and I think that remains an important part is how do we um, how do we continue to build upon the experience that we create for our student athletes? How do we continue to demonstrate to them that this is a place where they can live out their dreams? Um, and, and obviously those are college dreams, but for many of them, it is also that the developmental process and the quality of our environments um, continue to, to move that bar so that they can, you know, see their professional aspirations come to fruition as well. So I think that the student athlete part for me is critically important and, and to continue to be able to build uh, those opportunities for students is really good. Um, I think the fan experience um, and, and continuing to, to grow access, um, you know, through NCHC TV, 
uh, through attendance at games. Um, you know, we, we're seeing across the college landscape, um, you know, changes in fan, fan attendance, fan behavior, um, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, basketball, whatever the case may be. Um, the, the, the discretionary dollar that our fans have, the discretionary time that our fans have, um, you know, is, is really hard. You know, there's so many different things. There's so many different opportunities. Uh, there's so much different socioeconomic, um, gaps and those sorts of things. And so I, I want for us to be able to stay in the conversation and continue to create fan experiences that are attractive. Um, and, and partly because we have to, because that's part of our model um, in terms of simply pay, pay, paying for our programs. But the other part, and, and again, not to get into to too much in terms of politics, the reality is, is that sports is a unifier. And we don't have very many of those left, I don't think. And so to me, there's nothing better than being in a, a packed arena um, with our fans, with our communities, you know, competing against the opponent in the best way that we can, but also recognizing um, how incredibly important it is that we find common ground and we find something bigger than ourselves to buy into. And that's something that I think that sport does in a way that very few th other things do. And so I think, you know, that continued fan base, fan growth, is important to where um, I think we need to go. And so I think that that needs to uh, be part of, of my platform as well. Um, let me add two other things. One is just simply the navigation of division one and what's happening within programs. And I don't know that we have our, our fingers or our arms exactly wrapped around what that's gonna look like, um, but being able to come out on the other side in a year or two when the, when the dust begins to settle a little bit, and know that we're well positioned and that our membership is in a good place. Um, and then finally, and, and we've talked about this, um, you know, there's some different organizations, College Hockey for DEI. Um, you know, I talked about in Minnesota, the access um, and opportunity that that um, kids here have uh, more so than some places, but continuing to grow the sport and make it accessible to, to um, students and fans, um, to players, who maybe don't look like uh, the traditional hockey player has looked. Um, and so, you know, as we grow, uh, whether um, it's the women's game, whether it's continuing to make it accessible to, to, to people of color and, and different diversities, I think is really important as well. Okay, before Paul jumps in again, I got to ask one more. <laughs> and this one and this one comes down to no no uh, truth to the rumor that you're the one that started the uh, Country Roads sing along at uh, at DU. <laughs> I did not, and I sure as heck wouldn't be the singer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I commented, I I can't believe it. Colorado not only wins championships here, but they uh they also have the best sing along starting from the uh the uh the DU guys uh, at the AHL games up in Loveland. And of course uh, the avalanche have proved it uh, as well. So that's, that's a fun thing. And, and uh, commissioner, I always like to talk about the importance of bringing this, the, the students out. And one of the things that I grew up on at the university of Minnesota Duluth was uh, the pep band. And uh, I, I tell everybody that will listen to me. I can't wait till pep bands become a requirement at college hockey. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, I think the students are critically important um, to setting the tone and creating the environment on campuses. Although I will say that's another area where across sports, we're really trying to partner together with other you know, schools to figure out how to continue to, to get students to come out. And um, I'm getting way too philosoph- philosophical, so you can, you can certainly <laughs> change the topic. But well, um, the, the latest thing that I've read is that 70% of kids who play sports quit by the time they're 13. Oh, well. Yeah. Th- think about that. Yeah. And so I grew up in small town Iowa where, you know, in the fall on Friday nights, the entire community showed up for football games. Um, you know, in, in the winter, it was probably basketball more. Notice I'm not saying hockey, but, you know, Tuesdays and Thursday or Tuesdays and Fridays were, were basketball nights for boys and girls both. Sure. And, and, and the, there were tons of people who came out. Um, but a lot of those players were, st- were still playing and they were playing through their schools. As we've transitioned more into clubs um, and into AAU and into, you know, private sort of things, there are more kids who, and it's gotten more serious. I mean, there are a lot of kids when I was still playing and I'm going to age myself, but they maybe didn't start playing until they were 10 or 11 or 12 years old. And so, you know, they got interested in it later. These days, in a lot of cases, if you're not interested and involved by the time you're five or six or seven or eight, you feel like you're too far gone. You're out of touch and you can't play. Well, if you didn't grow up in a sports environment where you were playing, what makes you become a spectator? And so, you know, if you think about it and you kind of watch attendance at high school games or at at some of the, you know, amateur sports are, if it's not through the schools, are not really intended to get fans other than, than parents. So we're not growing and cultivating that next generation of, of, um, of fans, to be honest. And so it's not like, college students show up and become a fan if they if they haven't been a fan in their in their youth and so i think that that's where we need to incentivize and continue to do a lot of outreach and you're right the pep band is a way to do that it's a way to create some energy and have some fun um and hopefully good clean fun but you know it i i think sometimes it gets a little gray and sometimes it has to because we have to make it an environment that is fun for all ages um but still family appropriate so you know, I, I think growing that fan base and continuing to think and be creative about how, how um, we get students out is important not only for the game as it grows, but to be honest, it's important for campuses right now. And I think COVID played a number on us. It sent us all home for, you know, to almost two years. Yep. And and we got out of the habit of feeling comfortable going out. And, and I'm going to be honest, I think some people – you know, they took to being more um, engaged via social media. They took to being more engaged in in video worlds. Um, we've got a major competitor uh, against discretionary time and interests in, in a whole new world um, post-COVID. Uh, Commissioner, I, I, I totally understand what you're talking about as somebody who has coached at a couple of different levels, not anything near where you are, but... Uh, having done it and, and, and having to deal with, uh, I like to use the term little league parent. Um, yeah. I, I completely and totally understand uh, how uh, that has affected things in, in, in one direction uh, as well as the pandemic stuff. But uh, that stuff about, 
you know, getting kids that are not involved in school related teams. That's that's we can that's an entire we can do hours and hours and hours on that. I mean, um, the question that uh, and I'll bring it back to hockey a little bit um, when uh, Butler made its run to the final four and some of the smaller basketball schools have made their runs in the in, in the NCAA basketball tournament and gotten to that uh, final four. Um, th- there is nothing that drives applications to a school like a, a successful sports team. Um, obviously, college hockey is not the, as, as we mentioned, is not at the uh, attention level of, of college basketball and college football. But when St. Cloud made its, you know, first run at a Frozen Four, did on a smaller scale, did that kind of happen at St. Cloud too? I don't know if it, if we saw it as much in terms of uh, enrollment and admission. I think we saw it more in terms of community interest. Okay. And so it, it provides. I call it legitimacy, which is is funny because you know academic institutions are are you know developed per, particularly for for the academic side. But when you commit to excellence and you can demonstrate it, and you have students who are successful on the ice but also successful in the classroom, I think it gives kind of the sense that um, a student can see themselves, you know, at that institution and can say, "Look, I can be successful there." I can be successful there as a hockey player, but they're also having success and those kids are going on and, um, you know, getting degrees and they're, they're, you know, most of them in all honesty are moving on into, into successful professional and civic, you know, engagement. And so I think it, it demonstrates, it models that these institutions are a place where, where they can go. Um, I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, in, in basketball, in, for a lot of those institutions, it's a game changer. Um, because they, their name is sprinkled across, you know, major um, media outlets for days on end when that happens. And you have schools um, who you've never heard of. I mean, think about it a couple of years ago, Florida Atlantic. Uh, this year it was, was it St. Francis, um, you know, that, that had those um, opportunities. And, and those are institutions that weren't even in, in someone's um I'll call it dictionary, but, you know, in their vocabulary um, right. and all of a sudden they get, a, they get an opportunity for a national spotlight. So I think we get it to some degree uh, in terms of legitimacy, just probably not at the same level. Yeah, that's uh, that's totally true. Um, I want to ask you uh, a little bit about the NCHC and um, and the pandemic related things. People told us, uh, Heather, that when the pandemic hit, they said, oh, expect it to be the death nail for college hockey. Uh, There's not enough for revenue. It's too expensive. It's going to go away. And just the opposites (laughs) happened. Um, Things have kind of exploded. So as the commissioner of the NCHC, just uh, one day old, <laughs> uh, what, what, would you, what would you ideally like to see as a conference number? Is there a number where you say, hey, you know, we could expand to 10, we could expand to 12, or is there a number where you go, you know what, we got to keep it at a certain number to, to, to be successful? 
I mean, I think all of it is a little bit about anticipating what's going to happen across the country with the new programs and, and how it aligns. I mean, as commissioner, the reality is that, um, you know, my job first and foremost has to be to ensure uh, that our member institutions are in a good place. Um, and, and that, um, you know, from a travel perspective, from a competitive perspective, that we as a conference stay competitive. Um, and so, you know, the, the number eight right now has been great for us. And and if you'll recall a couple of years ago, because I know it was in the press, you know, there was conversations about, you know, potential expansion, um, you know, with Arizona State or a Mankato. Uh, and at that point, that was probably four or five years ago. You know, the determination of the league at the time was simply that, you know, we're in a pretty good space. Um, we're, we're at that point probably four or five years old. We want to give it a little bit more time to get a sense of um, how we're operating and what sort of number does work well for us. Um, and so that at that time, eight was a good number for us. I think we've continued to see that. But as, um, you know, league expansion occurs, obviously the CCHA uh, has come about within the last year. I think we just have to continue to have those conversations about what's in the best interest of league members um, and what continues to keep us. Uh, what we've enjoyed is, you know, in, in multiple years, we've had five and, and I think even one year, possibly six teams that have made it into the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and so eight's worked for us. Uh, I don't know that we'd want to go any lower than that. Um, I, I think that, you know, conversation about um, nine or 10 and, you know, you can you can argue the point as to whether or not you like odd numbers. But, you know, just keeping our eyes open and our finger on the pulse um, is certainly that next step. Commissioner, did, has, did Michael tell you that I'm into odd numbers in terms of, <laughs> of, of conferencing where I, I, I don't understand why it tries to be avoided, but. Um, and I'm only saying this because because you mentioned it, and, and I know I've had that discussion on this podcast with Michael before. So um, I just was curious if you mentioned that or not. But he did not. So tell me why you like odd numbers. <laughs> well, it's not a matter of liking. It's I'm not against it. I just I, with computers, I don't understand why it's hard to make a schedule with odd numbers with computers. But that's just me. So. Um, <laughs> well the podcast is you know about analytics so yes <laughs> um oh great one great one we can have her back anytime, anytime. Yeah, of course. um the 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 the, the other thing that and, and we know that that this is a question and a conversation that gets had by everybody who follows college hockey um the transformation whatever the heck it's called committee uh, conference yes. or whatever the heck it is. I can't keep track. Um, uh, I assume, and you've probably had this conversation with others that, that it, it people have just said, we're just got to wait for this before we can even figure out what's next. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of trying to anticipate, but it's also not trying to get ahead of yourself. And so, um, you know, the part that that works for us in some ways is that um, the NCHC was founded, you know, with members who have what I would call like minded um, commitment to to hockey, you know, schools who really believe that hockey is an important part of their not only athletics portfolio, but really their university portfolio uh, and how people view it. And so, um from that end, watching transformation committee, listening to some of the conversations, you know, and they're talking about financial aid uh, and potentially taking away 
um, you know, scholarship limits, and they're talking about uh, coaching limits. Um, I think it is just trying to get a sense of um, what do we need to be prepared for, but not jump the gun, so to speak. Okay, final one for me because we we got John early, so I'll get one final one in, and then Paul can have his uh, his final one. But uh, when you look at uh, things from the pandemic perspective, I talked to a lot of players, as you probably know, and um, I got a sense, uh, Heather, over the last couple of years that they really are not taking things for granted anymore. I don't know if that will change five, six years down the road, but the group that I've spoken to has, has said, you know, we never really thought that things could be taken away from us. And uh, we want to make sure every moment counts. And I thought nothing more than what I saw at DU this year, uh, all the way from midsummer until they, uh, they, they uh, lifted that NCAA championship trophy. But did you kind of get that sense too, that the players really kind of got a quote unquote wake up call? Yeah. You know, being on campus um, as an AD during that time, was um, both difficult. It was difficult, you know, because you're trying to make everything uh, continue to happen as normal as possible. But the the commitment on all of our campuses um, was really to to continue to provide the student athletes the opportunity to play. Um, and at one point, I remember in the fall of 2020, the conversation at that point um, was much more about, okay, let's just get you figure out um, ways that we can get you to practice because it wasn't only about their ability to, to compete um, and their ability to l- literally just play the game. If you think about athletes and, and, and particularly how we structure um, their growth right now, um, they start when they're young and, and the structure that athletics provides is really important to their mental health um, because it's where they interact with people. It's where they get their energy. It's where they have a lot of their confidence. And so, you know, when, when I was on campus talking to our student athletes and, and, and the coaches, you know, um, whatever hoops we needed to jump through to safely enable our players um, simply to, to be able to practice was really important. And then to bring in that opportunity to compete. And, and I will say one of the defining things, I think, with the NCHC, and, and again, credit to Josh and to all of the ADs around the table, um, the pod was incredible. Um, I, I can tell you that not all of the players or coaches would like to do it again. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the fact that we organized, you know, that three weeks of hockey nonstop um, in a way that uh, enabled us to get games in was was really important. And I think it did demonstrate, one, our commitment to to doing, you you know, the unique uh, to give students that opportunity. But secondly, I, I think you're right. I think students um, coming out of the pandemic have have recognized that nothing's a given. I think all of us have. I, I, I mean, I don't think any of us could have imagined. And, and just think about it. You know, I was actually uh, um, driving to a a women's basketball tournament when when the decision decision started to be made. I mean, my men's hockey team was in Kalamazoo, uh, Michigan, uh, to to start the quarterfinals of of the NCHC tournament, and everything came to a shutdown. Three days later, we hadn't even anticipated that as an it, like it it sprung upon college athletics in a way that nothing ever has. Right. 
All right, so here's my last one. Is I think I heard skate blades in the background. I could be wrong, but um, <laughs> um, and and this will be completely away from um, as I would uh, commissioner rowing in Iowa. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, it's, it's landlocked as far as I know. But if you go to Iowa City, there's a beautiful river. The Iowa River goes right down the middle of campus, separates it into east and west campus. Okay. Um, it, fantastic. It was fantastic. I had such a great experience. But um, rowing, you know, is one of the, the really last amateur sports. Um, and, and back in the 90s when I uh, joined, mm-hmm. um, what they and although they still do this to, to some degree to this day, is they recruit a certain segment of the population who ends up on the rowing team. And then um, they also recruit on campus kids who have never rowed, which was me, but who had played multiple sports. And they look for people who are um, tall and um, maybe athletic, although, you know, what I I don't know that I would call myself that sort of a specimen, Um, but maybe just really willing to – I don't know. I used to freeze my butt off on on the water, but you know, <laughs> stupid stupid enough to do it. But it was fant- it, it was fantastic. It was one of the great experiences, and probably, I mean, obviously, that was the start to my collegiate athletics professional career. Mm-hmm. Is that I, I give a lot of credit to to my coach um, Mandy Cole at the time. Uh, Christine Grant was the AD at at um, Iowa when I was there, and she's you know one of the icons of Title IX. Um, but just the opportunity, because those were lifelong friends, they were lifelong lessons. They were where I learned uh, to play the game and to be part of a department, and and so um, obviously a critical part of, of my trajectory. Well. Commissioner, and I'm sure Scott agrees. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Um, we like to end it on a, on, 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 always like to end on a light <laughs> note if possible. Um, and Usually that's all we do, Commissioner, is just light notes. <laughs> well, listen, we, there, are certain, there, there are certain questions we have to ask whether we want to ask them or not. I mean, uh, you, uh, it's not like we, we asked any uh, out of the blue questions. So, right, um, right. But, you know, we, we have to ask them anyway. Um, uh, but, uh, not that I want to take over Scott's role as the host here, but, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for, for, for coming on and, 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 and hopefully at some point before, you know, too long, once you've gotten knee deep into the, in, into the job that, uh, we get to have you back and, uh, you can tell us what you were su- surprised to see and what you expected yep. and so forth and so on. And, and of course, Happy to gonna- do it. Of course, we're going to ask you about uh, about Michael because you got to keep him in check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a tough one. He is a crazy, <laughs> young and crazy guy, as they say. <laughs> oh, we we appreciate you coming on, and we certainly appreciate the partnership we have with you and the NCHC, and we hope to continue that for a long, long time. Thanks again for spending some time with us tonight. Best of luck in this new venture, and uh, while Paul's in his basement on Long Island, you will see me quite frequently anywhere you go on NCHC campuses. Perfect. I look forward to meeting you. All right. Thank you, Heather. We appreciate it. That's the new commissioner at the uh, NCHC. Heather Weems joining us tonight on Analytics and Eyeballs. Paul and I will be back in about three minutes to wrap up another episode with you. At Behind the Mask, 
We know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. best college hockey conference ready for you wherever you are however you want to watch your favorite team is on nchc.tv on your phone tablet or stream to your tv subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv if it's nchc hockey it's on nchc.tv Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. Still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Summer Skate Studios. This is Analytics and Eyeballs. Indeed it is Analytics and Eyeballs. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Greenwood Village, Colorado. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein out on beautiful Long Island, New York. I just started calling you my co-host as always on the Monday Night Show, too, because it just seems like you're here every Monday night. So, come on. Let's just make it three straight nights. Uh, it's summertime. <laughs> worry about three. St- First of all, you have to be sick of me by now. I mean, holy <laughs> smokes. And, and I'm sure people are like, we got to listen to him again. Holy jeez. I mean. Well, guess what? We're wrapping up, I believe this is year three. Or at oh, least that's three Lord. or three and a half uh, since we started Bob, doing know. this. 
Um, and, uh, of course, our fiscal year starts July 1, so that's coming up uh, this week. We'll do a little roundtable Wednesday night and get a chance to review what we've, oh, nice. where we've been and where we're headed and all of that good stuff. But, Paul, you know the drill by now. Uh, every time we have a guest on, I always like to get uh, what you heard versus what I heard and see if we heard the same things or we heard something different. Well, I heard somebody that's very, very busy and, uh, you know, was was kind of doing two jobs for a while uh, on top of being a, a hockey mom, which is hard enough. Uh, when you got four kids, uh, by the way, four teenage boys, uh, all within a five or six year, I mean, whole, um, I, not to mention the food. You, you can't complain anymore, can you? No. You can't I, complain I, one bit. No, and I can't even imagine what the food bill in that house must be like. So, I mean, four teenage boys, I, I uh, yeah, I know what they eat. <laughs> oh. So, but I mean, listen, the, the NCHC is in good hands. Um, uh, this is, you know, somebody with a, a breadth of experience at a bunch of different levels. Is obviously intimately familiar with the NCHC and its inner workings and all of the various parties involved. And, you know, we love Josh and wish him nothing but the best. Uh, but we are definitely pretty sure that uh, uh, Heather Weems is going to do a fantastic job of running this conference. Yeah, and she's coming in at, at both a uh, kind of stressful but yet exciting time because we're all waiting for this, uh, you know, NCAA report or whatever it is that's coming out. Uh, everybody's waiting on that. Teams are coming in. Um, I, I think she she kind of gave us a good um, definition of what she's looking for at the NCHC. And I totally get it. When you're a new conference, you want to make sure that you're maintaining stability and profitability um for for the teams in your conference but i, I didn't get a, a a sense that she was gonna say nope we're not interested in expansion eight's plenty for us i think uh, there might be some room there and that is exciting for me because uh, the more teams that we can get into conferences you and i have talked about this at nauseum but the yeah, more teams right. that we can get into conferences no matter what conference it is Right. Um, but boy, if you're a team that can get into the NCHC with that quality of play and those quality coaches and facilities and a leader like, uh, like Heather Weems uh, appears to be for them, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a success story from day one. Right. I mean, listen, we know it's coming. Um, whether it's strictly, uh, we, we know that after this transformation committee, uh, does its, its thing. You know, regardless of what the conference is or isn't at the moment, we know that changes are coming in NCAA hockey. We know that that there will be conference realignment of some sort once, at least, if not twice. And that's a lot of stuff on the plate because that involves a lot of moving pieces, not to mention um, – you know that the league doesn't want to rest on its laurels. That's not how you stay as the best conference of college hockey. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, here's the interesting part, and 
Um, I think everybody's looking at this. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this at Nauseam as well. With Arizona State, people are looking to see what kind of revenue that generates in the Southwest or the West or wherever. Um, what what they do over the next couple of years to to generate not only interest in hockey but revenue dollars from the program. Uh, I think they'll be highly successful. But you have to look at other programs too, and you have to go, okay, where you know what schools can really afford this and what schools can't. And if they can't afford it at this point, what can we do as, as people that love the game of college hockey to help these programs get more financially stable, whether it's big donors or, you know, I look at the NIL and the talk with football and oh, basketball. Is, now that's, that's it, it's insane. ridiculous. It's, that's insane. We, we, we know, I, I cannot even imagine that it'll come to that those kind of numbers in college hockey no no, no. but what I i'm mean, talking about what i'm talking about if you've if you've got donors and corporations and partners out there that that want to invest in one single football player um for a year two three four however long they're at the university um there has to be a way to cultivate some of those dollars to uh, a program that that's with 20 to 30 uh, NCAA students. And I think that's what uh, we have to look into is we got to find out and, and get these people interested. And, you know, I use Colorado as an example right now because, man, Paul, if you could have seen what I saw today, I made, I made two stops. I made one at the Ball Arena um, Altitude Sports store uh, this morning just to see what was happening there. And they, were, they opened at 10. There was a line around the building. Um, they told me they sold out uh, hats in uh, 10 minutes, 10, 10, they were all sold out. Um, they were selling through t-shirts and every other kind of memorabilia. Then this afternoon, I stopped in at a Dick's Sporting Goods store because I heard an ad on the radio about, about them having a lot of stuff. They had, Paul, they had rows uh, of t-shirts, tables of rows of t-shirts that were just being cleaned out. So you talk about the enthusiasm right now. That's what I'm talking about needing to be cultivated and not only, um, you know, in, in pro hockey, but have it trickle down into the colleges as well. And um, that's why everything that you see me tweet out, I try to tie in the national championship with Denver and even uh, Denver East High School uh, as part of it. Because um, if you can spend money like that on your avalanche, uh, why can't you commit a few dollars to Denver or Colorado College or, or whoever it may be. Oh well, listen, I, I, I understand that, and um, it's always been kind of weird to me. And I'm, I'm sure I've said it on the odd occasion on this podcast. Um, how the two biggest schools in Colorado don't have teams. Yeah, you've said that many times, and it is, it um, is kind of amazing. Colorado State and the University of Colorado. Uh, with with just ACHA teams, and boy, would it be nice to see them make the jump and and create. But you know what? Um, it's all about the dollars, and it's all. Well, about... I understand that if it was ever going to happen uh, out of the clear blue, now is probably would be the time that it's going to happen. Uh, considering that uh, the NHL champions, the college champions, and I don't know how it works at the high school level. High school division whatever. two champions whatever mythical national champions uh, ships that they have there at the high school level uh, there in, 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 in Colorado too. So 
Um, if it was ever going to happen out of the clear blue, and I'm not saying it is or it isn't, you know, but if it was ever going to happen out of the clear blue, it probably would be now. But I don't see it. But yeah, you know. well, I don't see it either. But what I'm saying is for the future of hockey, I think uh, we have to keep an eye on that. We know what Augustana did, as, uh, as I've mentioned many times, uh, the dollars at Augustana not only got them a starting uh, uh, starting up a new program, but a new building. Uh, they hired a coach, coaching staff, I guess we can yep. call it that, um, a year and a half early. They got into a conference, and that all has to do with stability and finances. Um, that that same thing doesn't happen to a Lindenwood or the two Alaska schools. And not, not to say that they're not financially stable. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that when you have uh, uh, the backing uh, financially and you have the the uh, drive from your athletic department, um, it makes a big difference. And I think college commissioners are going to look at that and they're going to say, sure. okay, who can come into our, our, you know, I think uh, commissioner Weems mentioned that a couple of times about, we don't want to lose any strength in our competition level. Right. So they're going to be selective as to who they take in. And uh, we've talked about that too, out on the East coast about, uh, conferences going like, well, we bring this this team in. Uh, yeah, they're geographically in the right spot, but are they going to hurt us pairwise? And uh, so I hope that that all gets worked out over the next few years. Uh, I agree with that. And um, like I said, I think we're going to see it at least. Uh, I'd be shocked if there weren't two, quote, realignments coming in college hockey in the next few years. But it is what it is. Yeah, totally agree with you. One final thing that I'll throw out there and kind of a housekeeping thing. It's something I threw together. I thought, uh, you know what? Uh, with all the success in Colorado, if uh, you're a Colorado business and you want to jump on board with us, uh, our uh, corporate partnership is half off until the end of July. So uh, contact me, 303-865-0383 or at ithswco at gmail.com or go to any one of our social media sites. Let me know that you want to get your business on board with us for a full year and you will save 50% until the end of July to uh, to join us. Be on the podcast, be on the yes. new Pro Hockey uh, West Report, uh, be on our social media feeds and uh, spread the wealth. Put your business out there. Let people come to you and know that, they, uh, that you're a hockey supporter. Yep, I definitely need to do that. Um, a couple of other things from me. Um, just because, I mean, it, the, from a hockey perspective, um, we, we saw last night why you can't even imagine how the Islanders record of 19 straight series wins will ever be approached. Um, Tampa Bay just ran out of gas and it's only, and, and they were only at 11. Uh, we now have the draft order. By the way, the draft is next week. Next Thursday, the night that we preview <laughs> the Pro Hockey West report, they will you know, be the, uh, in the, the middle of the draft. The draft is next week, and they uh, announced the Hall of Fame class. Um, you have the Sedin brothers getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame, Roberto Luongo, uh, Daniel Alfredson. Um, uh, are the names you probably know in terms of the folks elected into the Hall of Fame? Okay. Um, 
the two names you probably or might not know uh, is uh, let me think. He's had it. I want to. I don't want to mispronounce it. Rika Salomon, the first Finnish female player elected into the Hall of Fame, uh, had a tremendous career in the Finnish Elite League and was the oldest player to get a Olympic medal, a bronze medal in in, in uh, Pyeongchang. So congratulations to those guys and Herb Carnegie, who was one of the first uh, black hockey players to play at some sort of professional level. Uh, was not able to play. He, he wasn't in the NHL, but he played semi-pro. Uh, was considered maybe the best player right up there with Gordie Howe in terms of their skills. Um, and, you know, Heather mentioned it about expanding the game, and obviously that's where you're going to do it. Um, and we've had some of those discussions before. But uh, those names were announced, uh, maybe it was today even. I'm not even sure if it was today or yesterday. I think it was today. So uh, those housekeeping items uh, I thought needed to be mentioned before we go. And uh, like I said, it it seems like next season has started already. (laughs) Yeah, they asked the commissioner Weems and her family apparently. (laughs) And uh, you know what? They announced the schedule as well for the World Junior Championships. Right. Uh, I saw that came out the other day. That's good. And I need to get to tell the commissioner that we love the pod and we need more of it. We need to get a chance to tell her that. <laughs> I know. When she opened that up, I was going like, oh, no. I, I just oh, couldn't get no. it in fast enough. Yeah, I, I didn't figure you could. That's why I said, eh, maybe we have to say goodbye before the uh, the pod came back up again. But anyway, yeah, that's a, that was a great thing. And um, as much as it was great, it's it's nice that it's gone. And we're back to some normality. And I'm really glad that she agrees with me on the pep band thing because, doggone it, you got to have some excitement. And trust me, uh, I'm going to be lost now without any excitement at hockey games until things get revved up again. Well, that's um, the the great thing about the the World Juniors being in 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 in, uh, in in August because of everything that happened. So you don't have to wait that long. And uh, I think at the Memorial Cup final between Hamilton and St. John coming up in the Canadian Hockey League. I, I think that probably starts later this week. I just don't, I don't know. I, I think the NHL Network will have some of those games on, but, you know, we have to yeah, take what we can get, right? Yep, yep, we certainly will. We'll be back tomorrow night with uh, another episode of College Hockey West Live. And then Wednesday night will be our little roundtable. We'll, uh, we'll have some discussion with Steven, and who knows, maybe we'll bring Nick in and, uh, do a few people. We can talk a little bit about where we've been and the growth that we've seen um, and the growth that we anticipate happening over the next, uh, you know what, let's say the next five years, because I think uh, things are going in that direction for college hockey. And I think we want to be a part of it. Well, hopefully I won't be too beaten up. Hopefully it'll be sunny out on Wednesday because uh, Mets are playing in the afternoon and we're going to the game and celebrate the kickoff <laughs> nice. summer vacation. Nice. Uh, my, my my brother-in-law got some tickets through a buddy of ours who's one of the camera operators. So nice, nice you know nice. that'll be good. Inside and connection I'm, to a winning team. Woo. Well, and and the fact that I'm going to see a buddy of mine who I haven't seen in like 30 years at the game, who just happened to be going to the game at the same time. So nice. that's another story for uh, another day in time. Yeah, write write that down, folks. Paul's headed into a burrow. 
Yeah, well, I go to the bar, I go to one of the I go to that borough five days a week, ten months a year. So that's true. Not true. <laughs> true. Okay. All right. From All right. The summer, from the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs has been brought to you by Drury Inns and Suites, Drury Plaza Lake Buena Vista, the newest official Disney World hotel, is now booking for stays starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership. You must see one of the stores for details. Buy Summer Skates. Whether you use your own name and number or that of your favorite player, show off your game and style with personalized shower shoes and koozies. See SummerSkates.com for more information. Buy Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. No one knows goalies' needs better than we do. See the website for our Three Valley locations and more. Liberty University. Strengthen your faith and your game at the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast at liberty.edu. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where our food can be summed up in one word, perfection. By M-Drive, supplements to fuel and refine your drive at mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota. Our staff at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins works hard to make sure you get the right car that fits your needs, new or pre-owned. Jets Pizza. More than just great pizza, you'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find the location near you at JetsPizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where the action is, from the Atlantic to the Pacific and around the world. Analytics and eyeballs and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the podbean app available for download at the itunes store podbean google play store spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app ask alexa to turn on your ithsw podcasts analytics and eyeballs from the summer skate studios is a part of the ice time hockey sw.com network very well done my friend um one thing we forgot to ask uh, the commissioner to do and maybe i'll just have to to ask her outright is that she needs to check the offices and find out just how many Penrose cups are there in that office. Uh, okay. <laughs> our thanks. Uh, been there. Our, our thanks. Our thanks to Commissioner Heather Weems of the NCHC for spending some time with us tonight. Our thanks also to uh, Michael Weissman uh, for for setting things up for us. We always appreciate our partnership with the NCHC. And once again, if you're a Colorado business, this is for you. This is a celebration of the three national champions at the high school, the NCAA, and the NHL level. Uh, you can become a uh, corporate partner for half off uh, the price, but it only lasts till the end of July. So get busy. July 1st is coming up. Uh, give me a call, text me, tweet me, do whatever you need to do to get me in to, uh, to tell you all about it and how you can uh, save 50% and become a partner with us for a full 12 months. We'll say good night. Little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers. Hello, new day. Good night, everybody. Good night.